lovely cushion header. Bajero! Oh, you beauty! What a headshot! What a headshot! Siyoshi! What's everyone saying and welcome to our brand new football podcast, Beyond the Gaffer. Before we go any further, I'd like to give a big shout out to Prince Baike and Aaron Sivakuma underscore art who have designed our incredible artwork. Make sure you check them out on Instagram and they'll be in the show notes below. As always, I'm joined by my co-hosts Thinish and Dylan. To start off with you Thinish, how about you give yourself a quick introduction to our listeners? Hey everyone, thanks Kaj. It's it's really exciting to finally be recording the first episode with you guys. Uh, so yeah, just some background about me. Um, I'm a Newcastle United fan, and interestingly, it's a club that I have no connections to at all. Um, but having spoken to more Newcastle fans over the years, I've actually realised it's definitely something that's not uncommon. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, probably the worst time to be a Newcastle fan. Uh, always fighting for relegation, um, and hopefully one day we can get a takeover through that can completely change our fortune, so we'll see about that. And also, I'm a big fantasy football player, uh, for those of you who know me well. Uh, my obsession is probably quite unhealthy, but if you love the game as much as I do, you'll know what I mean. Yeah, I can testify to that. He is a top 100,000 player in the in the country. Oh, thanks, Kaj. Done me dirty there. Yeah, okay, fine. Um, top 20,000, whatever. But yeah, <laughs> w- w- watch out, look out for our future fantasy football podcast. I think you'll, you guys would love it, um, whoever plays that. Um, Dylan, how about you? Cheers, Catch. So I've been a lifelong Liverpool fan my whole life, thanks to my dad, with my earliest memory being the 2003 League Cup final against United. So it's been a turbulent last decade with ups and downs for Liverpool. I mean, even though I haven't quite seen the success that my dad saw in the 80s and 90s, like winning the league last season was something special, like really, really special. Um, and it's probably something Catch and Dinesh might not be able to say anytime soon. Uh, I prefer to do my talking off the pitch as on it, like I'm a bang average football player. With most of my spent time spent in defence. So Klopp, if you're listening to this and you need another centre-back, hit me up. Yeah, he does like to talk, do his talking on the pitch. Shamefully, it's still pretty average. Um, yeah, now, you, best till last, you've got me. You've got Kaj. A um, little bit about myself. I am a massive moaner about all things and mainly about Arsenal. Um, story similar to Thinish, I missed pretty much a lot of the golden generation uh, in the Highbury uh, era with Arsene Wenger. I think now with technology, I've been able to watch a few, a lot more games, uh, seen a lot more uh, bad, worse games for us, including the Carling Cup final against Birmingham, the four nil uh, loss, well four four, which felt like a loss with Newcastle. But I've seen some great wins as well, with, such as with. Uh, the Barcelona and the FA Cup but yeah that's just me and that's our three hosts so moving on we're going to be talking about the top four race a lot of teams are dropping points this year and this top four race seems a lot more unpredictable than the seasons have gone by your thoughts on this Dylan cheers catch so it's been a like catch it's been a very interesting season I mean obviously COVID massively impacted it most clubs have haven't had any fans and it's looking like they'll only be back for the last two rounds of fixtures I mean I've suffered from a bit of football fatigue I can't lie football's been on it like every single day 
Um, and the fact that it's been free to watch has been amazing. But the fact that it's been on every single day means there's a lot of games and you can spend your whole weekend watching football. I mean, I love football, but I obviously haven't been able to watch every game. I think sometimes it can be a bit too much. I am missing those that tra- traditional and standard three o'clock kickoffs. I mean, that's what the football in this country is known for, isn't it? Those three o'clock kickoffs, all the fans there watching their teams up and down the ground. But it's been a really exciting season. Obviously, not great for Liverpool, which we'll get into later. Um, obviously, a tattered title defence. But I've really enjoyed it. Uh, it's, it's been something to get me through lockdown. Um, what about you, Finish? How, you, how have you found football this season? Yeah, exactly the same as you. I mean, probably the only thing that's keeping me through this lockdown period at the moment. Um, but it's really interesting to see a lot of the a lot of the traditional six have just been blown out this season. We've seen a lot of teams that won't necessarily have been considered for European places that are in really strong positions currently. Um, so it'll be really good to see how that plays out over the season and the effect of fans has obviously had a major impact on all teams I think so hopefully it'll be really good to see that back in soon uh, once the restrictions are eased. No I completely agree I think the one positive change I think this might have is more games in the 3pm kickoffs will potentially be shown on live TV and I think that's such a dated um, rule that we have in the in the UK in terms of like broadcasting schedules because I don't think now especially uh, People will want to go to the games. Having games at three three p.m. doesn't won't stop fans going into that. But yeah, that's a real separate point. But yeah, um, now if you want to look at the top four race, we could start off with Villa to be fair, who have been terrific. But uh, what do you think of the top four race so far, Tanish, and and well, your opinions on Aston Villa? Yeah, I mean, like I said before, I think there's a lot of teams. I think competing for those for those European places, especially the Champions League. And I think historically we've seen at this point of the season, probably first, second, maybe there's a, there might be one or two teams who are challenging for the title, but usually third, second and third are pretty much secure. And there'll be a couple of teams that are fighting for that fourth spot. But this season has been really interesting. I don't think there's any team set in stone for Champions League at the moment, apart from City. Uh, So I mean, just looking at the teams that we're about to talk about, we're talking about at least eight or nine contenders who can potentially get um, Champions League football. So, yeah, it'll be really interesting. Yeah, so in terms of Aston Villa, what do you think? Do you think they're a solid candidate for the top four or do you think they're one of those that are more for the Europa League places? I mean, considering where Villa were last season, I think they've done amazing to get where they are. Um, I mean, ninth in the table at the moment, they had a really good win against Leeds, uh, which was yesterday, actually. They and spanked Liverpool, to be fair, at the start of the season, 7-2. I mean, they set them on the right path, hasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> They've built off that. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, largely, that's down to what Dean Smith's done with the squad. I think what he's the players that he's signed this season have changed their fortunes, I think, from just about staying up last season to now fighting for European places, I think they've had a brilliant season. And regardless of whether they finish in the European spots or not, I think they'll be delighted with with wherever they finish. And I'm sure they'll finish in the top half. What do you guys think about um, Watkins? Because I think loads of people have been really impressed with what he's brought, what he's brought to the team. So I've checked out his stats. So he scored 10 goals and three assists, right? He's one of the most expensive transfers for them. I think at 30 million. But I think he's been terrific. And... His hold-up play, especially compared to... He's part of the the category of what modern strikers should be. 
not being able to run in behind, being able to hold up the ball and bring others into play and finish and just do a lot of a uh, lot, lot of other things as well. And he's a p- future candidate for the Ingl- England striker position, but maybe just not yet. It might be too soon now, but maybe in the future. But I think he's done been a terrific addition for Aston Villa. And uh, yeah, I don't know about you. No, but I, I've got to agree with you, Kaj, there. Because like, I mean, the fact that people are even talking about him potentially getting an England squad shows how far he's come in the last year. Obviously, he was tearing up for Brentford last season. And obviously, that's where like Dean Smith's come from as well. So they're both doing like absolutely incredible this season. Like, I mean, Watkins definitely hit the ground running. I mean, like you said, with the Liverpool game, he scored a hat-trick in that game. And his numbers have been pretty consistent so far. Like on par, I think Villa will be quite happy from what they've seen with him. And I guess not even just him. We've been looking outside the other recruits that they got in the summer. Players like Matty Cash, Bertrand Troy, Barkley, they're all sitting behind him. And they've all contributed to the success of this Villa side, who I think it's important to note that have two games in hand, which is probably why we're including them in this, this discussion. If they win those two games, theoretically, they can go right into the top four. I also think these signings have brought out the best in Jack Grealish, to be fair. Uh, he's got six goals, 10 assists. I might be, I don't know if it's in the league or if it's overall, but pretty much the league. Uh, he's went, He's gone up another level, I think. And I think last year, when it comes to Aston Villa's attack, it was pretty much either Jack Grealish or like, that's it. But now, with the added creativity of Barkley, uh, Ollie Watkins coming into play, and like you said, Matty Cash and a few others, there's not that sole reliance on him, so he's allowed he's allowed to affect the game a lot more because he's not being man marked out of the game. I don't know your thoughts on that finish as well. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they had these sort of they were so over reliant on Grealish, weren't they, for creativity and just just back on Watkins. I think what I'm so impressed about with him is just his movement and his link up play. I mean, as a defender, he's he's a nightmare to mark because you just don't know where he's going to be on the pitch. He he runs down the channels really well. He attacks the space. He's all, he's always available for a pass, and I think that's what I'm most impressed about him, rather than the goals, because I think he just brings so much more to the team. Yeah. Um. Just a point on the defense as well. I mean, Emmy Martinez, what a signing he's been. I think he's been absolutely incredible for them. I think that's the thirteenth clean sheet they kept this season, which is ridiculous considering how leaky they were as a defensive unit last season. What do you guys think about? Yeah. What yeah he's I'm intrigued to, to hear what your, your thoughts as an yeah. Arsenal fan. <laughs> Okay, you know what? It's not surprising be it Martinez being one. I think it was man of the match, voted man of the match in his latest game. So yesterday against Leeds. Um, yeah, I'm not surprised. He was he was one of the best players uh, post-lockdown when he came back into the uh, lineup. And the greatest compliment we could have given him is we not did not miss Leno one bit. And we're considering maybe putting Leno as our backup because he was one of those goalkeepers that he was. he's a complete goalkeeper now in that he doesn't just make the saves, the flashy saves. He controls that. Um, he organizes that back four really well. He takes. Um, take. He's in control when it comes to crosses and uh, and corners and things like that. And he relieves pressure off his defense because he doesn't just parry it into danger. He just catches it. Um, so I know, yeah, very well in terms of how good he is, and I'm not surprised. I think one thing we also need to remember is that their defense isn't just Martinez. I think their whole back four must have been good. And you say thirteen clean sheets. Only Man City have been have had a higher number of clean sheets than Aston Villa. Uh, it'll be inter- I think John Terry might might have a part to play in that, being part of the coaching staff. As you know, he's 
you're part of that legendary Chelsea side that I think conceded was it 15 goals in a league season back in 2004 and five. So I think he he must be important in terms of setting up that defense as well. I don't know if your thoughts on that. I mean, he's keeping, he's keeping out an England international, isn't he? And Tom Heaton, who obviously suffered a horrific injury last season and now can't get back in that, in that squad. He's obviously playing fantastically. And obviously, Dean Smith has saw something in him post-lockdown, which convinced him to pay £20 million for him, which at the moment seems like an absolute bargain. Um, but he's what Dean Smith has done is just in general, he's transformed that team back to front. And yeah. for me, I mean, it might be a bit stretched for them to reach top four if we're looking at it. I mean, they do, will have to win their games in hand. And they've they still got to play like some of the teams around them, such as Liverpool and City. Um, but I think oh, so Villa, only one hard game, yeah, City. Of course, of course. <laughs> um, yeah. But I mean, given our home form, they'll probably beat us. I mean, but I mean, I think that the the season they had last season, surviving by what was it one point? If they finish in the top half of the season, I think that I think that, that was, that's a really successful season for them, and I think Dean Smith's done a terrific job. I, I don't think any Villa fan would have potentially thought about them qualifying for Europe, let alone like finishing, finishing potentially in the top four. Yeah, finish your final thoughts as well on uh, Villa before we move on to the next, uh, to Spurs, I guess. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think they've had a brilliant season. I mean, I don't personally think they'll finish in the top four, but like they said, they may be there thereabouts for Europa potentially. So yeah, regardless, they've had an amazing season and I, I just hope they can build on the success that they've had this season going into the future seasons and keep hold of their star players. Yeah. All right. Fair. Um, guess that counts for one team gone. Um, Spurs are probably up next in the table. They're eighth uh, as of currently watching this. What's your thoughts on this? Uh, we can start off with you again, Finish, on how their season has fared so far. And do you think uh, their, their potential to be in the top four this season? I mean, it's such, I think they've had such a bizarre season, haven't they? They started so well. Mourinho looked like he'd got the team playing. I mean, they don't play the most attractive football, do they? I think we can all agree that they're so over-reliant on Son and Kane to the point where Mourinho's just set them up to play on the counter-attack and just I think get those two on the ball as much as possible. I do think he's integrated Bale a, lot, a bit more in the last few weeks, so that could change things, but yeah, carry on. But yeah, exactly. I mean, they're eighth in the table. They'd obviously would have had aspirations for top four this season. And considering the way they've started, they've definitely fallen away. Um, they've still got European competition hopes, Europa League potentially. But I just, I just don't like watching Spurs, and I think that's the issue. They don't play attractive football. They're too reliant on a few players, and like you said, maybe Bale might change that over the next, over the next few weeks and the remainder of the season. But I think they'll be disappointed if they don't finish in the top four considering where they started and the place that they've signed this season. I guess, I know you said they'll finish, they'll be disappointed, but obviously, I guess a lot of people go on about Tottenham's trophy drought. They're in the final of the Carabao Cup. Um, The Carabao Cup. I know, but look, trophy is a trophy at the end of the day. Obviously, Mourinho was brought in, obviously not to probably win the league, but to win trophies for Spurs. He could get them to Europa League final. Could get and he's in the final of the Carabao Cup. If they win one of those competitions, obviously the Europa League holds more merit. But they end up finishing seventh, for example. Would we say that he's 
succeeded in the sense that he's obviously won the trophy will Spurs fans be happy with that or do you think they would be expecting I think they'll definitely be happy because like you said he was brought in to win trophies and that's part of the reason why Pochettino was let go because they didn't see him as someone that could make that step up to win a trophy they saw that but but I don't think it was the right decision regardless right I mean I have my thoughts I'll let let you speak but yeah but I mean like I said I think really where they are in the table is just down to how Mourinho set them up. There's there's no reason why they shouldn't be higher than where they are, considering that the squad they have and they've recruited really well. I think they had a really good summer in terms of the signings. They brought in Reguilón, who I thought is a brilliant is a brilliant left back. Bale, obviously, we know what he can do in the Premier League. Hoiberg, who's been fantastic, I've been really impressed with him. And Dombele's finding some form now. So I mean, the players they've brought in have been brilliant. But like we said, it's Mourinho's tactics that are just holding them back i think for me i think Mourinho's tactics are very outdated and his man management as well probably even more so in terms of how outdated it i don't think it works with the modern generation of players like before when you had these players like lampard john terry and okay then the the players at inter milan i think walter samuel and so, lucio and so on these guys would like the way they're i think they were probably they were brought up in that generation they would they like that siege mentality that Mourinho kind of brought, but since Real, like the Real Madrid days, I don't think that kind of approach to the game doesn't work as, as nowhere near. And you can see that by his trophy hall post Madrid and pre Madrid, at least like, and the decades apart, it's just a stark difference in terms of success. Um, in terms of my opinions with Tottenham, I think they're way too over reliant, like you said, on Harry Kane and Son. I think I looked at it and it was. Expected goals or assists minus penalties for 90 minutes. It was 1.03 with Harry Kane and it's 0.87 for Son. When you look at the next person after that, with around like the tw- same amount of games, it was Tange and Dombele at 0.27. So you see the massive reliance there. Um, in terms of their approach, did any of you watch the Chelsea game? So um, with Tottenham and Chelsea uh, a couple of games ago, a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if you watched that. Did you? Yeah, is that the one when Chelsea won one nil? Spurs going for that bad patch. Yeah, but that it it was basically typical Mourinho for me because he he has all this talent. He has Dumbbell. He has Kane. Okay, I don't know if he has he has all these uh, these talented players, and he just doesn't try to put the front foot. He's always chasing the mistake from the other team and that's well, look at, I just, look what you're that, talking about Ali though he's like he's like frozen him out of the team and I mean like yeah but that's that, that, that's his man management that's his man management skills and I don't think and wasn't he criticising him heavily at the beginning of the season it's like it's like he, he comes out and criticises his players I mean I, I'm United I remember Luke Shaw was on the receiving end of some horrific treatment from Mourinho but he's approaching that he's point I think is that turning point that tur- you know that turning point in that Mourinho tenure when he kind of goes against the board, he goes against the team. Like you know, with United, he it was probably the severe game. He was like, "Oh, this is heritage," because they <laughs> lost to so- or something like that, innit? Like that. <laughs> but it no, but he's approaching football that. Heritage. This is yeah. football. Like what I'm scared about as an Arsenal fan is them potentially winning the Europa League. But more because Mourinho's success in Europe is fair is can't argue that with that too much and also with the fact of Bale I don't care too much about Son and Harry Kane but I think Bale's their big game player just given how what he'd done in the Champions League finals but I just think Mourinho isn't a long-term solution because no matter how good this season is 
it'll be the third season where we'll see if he'll do well. And I, I don't think it's a broken record. I just don't think his third season will go well. And I think he'll end up getting a sack and a bit of a payoff. I don't know. Maybe, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, exactly that. They don't deserve top four the way they play. Every game they go into, it's it's very negative. And like you said, they're, they'd rather wait for a mistake, go 1-0 up and just close out the game than attack the game and try and get the goals early. I say that now, they're 3-0 up, but <laughs> maybe that might change over the next, the next few weeks. But yeah, I mean, personally, I don't see them finishing top four. Yeah, I've got to agree with what you guys think as well. No, yeah. I, I can't see them finishing top four, but I wouldn't be surprised if he wins the trophy this season, whether it's the League Cup or the Europa League. I, I, look, he he's never failed to win a second a trophy in his second season at a club, I don't think. So, Pop, okay, okay, I thought yeah. you meant second season. Oh, but yeah, no, yeah. no. So I, I don't. I if they win a trophy, I don't think any of us here will really be surprised. Um, but I expected more from Tottenham this season. The fact that at Christmas they were just before Christmas they were top of the league. And now but it was never sustainable, though. I guess that's exactly. the way Mourinho's set up. Yeah. It's, I mean, we're, we're, none of us are Spurs fans, but personally, I think we can all agree that we don't like watching the football that Tottenham plays. So. Yeah. Well, I guess moves us a good segue onto another manager who's had a lot of success in Antelotti's Everton. With a different, yeah, think? different brand of football, completely different, I guess. To you could argue to Mourinho. <laughs> well, you say that. Okay, I guess the expectations are different between Spurs and Everton. I don't know. How... I can argue with how successful Ancelotti has been with Everton so far. I mean, I think Everton are where they are. I don't think they've done anything special. I don't think they've gone above and beyond their expectations. I just think they're Everton. Like, they're not doing what Leicester City are doing. Do you get where I'm coming from? They're just right there in that mid-table place, maybe challenging for Europa League, but not making a, a true impact on like maybe getting a top four place. I don't know. I agree. I think, like you said, they they probably haven't progressed as much as they, where they should be and where they'd expect to be, considering where what they've invested in. I think the players they've brought in this summer have added some real some real top quality to their side. James Rodriguez, we know how good he is, and I think he's been brilliant this season. I think he's held in really well. Allen, another brilliant defensive midfielder who's proven in European football. Decore as well. We know what he can do. So I like what they're doing. I think they're going in the right direction. I mean, maybe not necessarily shown in the current league table position, but it's getting more and more competitive every season. So I think finishing in top seven now is a lot harder than what it was before. Um, And what Ancelotti has done with the side, I think definitely, like I said, I think they're they're going in the right way. And quarterfinal of the FA Cup at the moment, they might have a good chance in that, albeit they're playing City. So yeah, I don't know. What do you guys think? I think we what give. Think about, I, I um... think we give that club way too many excuses though at times. Like I know we, I know you say, oh, what club could do this? But Leicester did win a Premier League title. If you, yeah, fair enough. You could say it's a fluke. But they've, they've gone. They should have been in the top four last year. They're in the top four this year. We'll we'll, we'll get to them uh, later on in the pod. But you see the difference in terms of how they've approached their club in terms of transforming it into a genuinely competitive side in for the top five top six and you look at Everton who have been in the Premier League for years and just haven't made that mark and that's what I think they've underperformed as a club not really looking at the team as as such but as a a club I guess when looking at this season so far I think Hammers has been a great addition but he's I think he's approaching 30 so I don't know how many if he'll still be good for the next for the following seasons as well that's something we need to look out for 
but Calvert Lewin has really come on leap and leaps and bounds. I think eighteen goals and one assist. That's pretty remarkable, really. There's not many players that have got better stats than him. And I guess we were talking about Ollie Watkins. I think Dominic Calvert Lewin's probably again another archetypal kind of modern striker that you see being able to run in behind being able to hold up the ball and being able to finish I mean how do you Dylan your thoughts on Everton as well but maybe Dominic Calvert-Lewin how maybe he compares to Ollie Watkins like we mentioned I guess obviously for me it's like being a Liverpool fan I wouldn't say it's hard to give praise to Everton but you have, I've got to admire what they've done Like I mean look it's Angelotti they, they brought in a world class manager you could definitely Everton. I mean, considering that, like, what two seasons ago they were repping Sam Allardyce. I mean, come on, it's like a, a, a massive, massive change. Or, or even from the days of Marco Silva, they've that that, that club's definitely been a through transition. Obviously, they're trying to get this new stadium up and running, trying to move things off the pitch as well. So I think they're definitely making waves. Like you said, yes, Leicester haven't they haven't quite hit the heights where Leicester did, but I don't think anyone was expecting that season. Obviously, Leicester to win the league, and I don't think anyone is expecting at all Everton to win the league. But the fact that they're in the conversation, I think, is what you said you at the beginning. They're probably in their, the right frame of mind. It's where you expect them to be. I think if they end up in the Europa League, that's a successful season for them. I, I don't think they'll finish in the top four. But when you have, like you said, got a player like Calvert-Lewin, who, who is scoring goals regularly, with Richarlison playing ju- as, just as well alongside him with what, I think he's got nine goals this season and another three assists, it's pretty, pretty good. I mean... I would rather probably have DCL in my team over Ollie Watkins. Um, I think he's just a bit more of an all-round player. It holds the ball up really, really well. Um, if he can, st- if he can stay injury-free, he'll probably make the Euros this summer for England. I completely agree with Dill. I think, I mean, just looking at their last three league finishes, they finished twelfth, eighth, and eighth, and they're already sitting seventh at the moment with games in hand. So I think definitely this is a good season for them. I think potentially they could finish in Europa League. Maybe Champions League might be a little bit of a push, but I think they've got the points on the board. The problem for them this season has been their home form. They've really struggled at home for some reason. I'm not sure. They've lost six games at home out of the eight that they've lost. Um, and some games that they probably shouldn't have lost, like Newcastle uh, Fulham. And, and Fulham. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So maybe if they can sort out the home form, and definitely that is partly down to the fans because we know how big the fans play a part um, at Goodison Park. So maybe that will change next season. But for me, I think they're going in the right direction. No, no, that's fair to say. I think maybe I've been too critical. I just think certain things they need to be a bit more ruthless with. Like, say, like with with Pickford. I don't think he's been a good goalkeeper for them for the last few seasons right now. And they should have got a new goalkeeper. Um I think they would have gained. A, they would have been in the hunt for the top four, in my opinion, if they had a new goalkeeper. He would have added them probably another ten points, and it's things like that where I think they're kind of lacking. They don't have that real top four mentality, or even like a top club mentality. Do you get where I'm coming from? I don't know your thoughts. I guess it's like a thing where obviously they what they finished. I don't know. They finished above in the top five like once in the last like 15 seasons or something I mean, it, it's trying i guess it's that mental thing of trying to break that barrier get into the top five i mean the, the aspirations are there like i said with the with the stadium and i think bill kenwright really wants to get there as the owner and push them and obviously they've hired a world-class manager you could argue ancelotti is probably one of the top 10 managers in the world and their signings this season have been very good i mean like finished at alan decoy rodriguez got to add ben god 
Ben Godfrey to the list as well. Oh yeah, um, I forget about him. He's very good signing. Exactly, player, he's, yeah. he's young, so they're obviously prepping for the future. And obviously, uh, I mentioned like Moise Keane is tearing it up his PSG. Um, that he's only on loan is whether will they keep him next season to play alongside Cavalier and Richarlison? Who knows what will happen? But they've obviously got the players there for the future, and I think that they're in a they're in a good stead to push on. Whether they will push on, I guess we'll see um, in in the next season or so. But I think that from where they want to be I think they're in the right position to go on and make that step whether they'll make it like you said it might be a mentality thing whether they do or not but I guess we'll just have to find out I do think they won't get there with Pickford as goalkeeper though I just don't think that I, I just don't think he's good enough to be in the top four with the way he's been performing the past I mean, he's few been years dropped. he's been dropped now and again with, for Olsen he, he has rotated he's, so. he's, he's a bit like Willie Ann though he always comes back into the, uh, into the team I think that's something Ancelotti will look at in the summer. He knows uh, they signed Robin Olsen because they needed some competition for Pickford. And the fact that he's played a few games says that he just doesn't have full confidence, even though he may have said, oh, Pickford is my number one keeper. We know we know that's just that's not necessarily true. Like Lampard said that about Kepper and that changed very quickly. So he will definitely look to rectify that in the summer. Yeah, yeah and I definitely yeah. think they can kick on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Dylan, your this is your teammate. I'm letting you shine here. Uh, you ha- <laughs> you have to sh- you have to shine because yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. look, it, all in all, it's been a poor season for us. Like, obviously, given the fact we were in the league last season, um, I think it's been made even more poor the fact that we were top at Christmas. Can you believe it? Like, we're talking less than two months, we were top, and now we've absolutely yeah. capitulated and we're sitting sixth. Um. I think a simple simple reason people would argue is injuries, but I think it goes a lot deeper than that. But I mean, I think there's definitely, we definitely have a touch on the injuries as being a problem. We've had, I think, 18 different centre-back partnerships. For me, it's probably, aside maybe the keeper, it's probably the most important position on the pitch. Like, ain't no way you're going to win the league with 18 different centre-back pairings. And defences win your leagues. Like, look at City. City, John Stones and Diaz have been like a constant in that team. Um, and of keeping clean sheets, the fact have the fact that we've had to we've had three centre backs out for the rest of the season isn't great. Um, when does that happen? And we've had to buy two two players in January, one from a Championship mid table club in Preston with Ben Davies, and another in Ozan Kabak, whose Schalke team have just set, sat their second manager and are sitting bottom of the Bundesliga and about to get relegated. I mean, it, it, it says a lot about where it is. But I mean, like I said, it's, it goes beyond injuries. I mean, I think we've. We've made more individual errors conceding the goals than any other club this season. Like Allison did his had his, had an awful game at home to Manchester City and and to Leicester as well. In the following game, we're making loads of errors. I mean, we obviously missed the fans as well. That Anfield Cop roar. I mean, I think it's been what three years of Jurgen Cop gagging pressing. I think at, at some point, like Finnish mentioned to me before the season started, we were going to fall off at some point. And even I thought like. If you were, if you thought Liverpool were going to finish with like ninety eight points again, I think you would have been crazy because this time last season we were still unbeaten. Like that's that, that's crazy. That's that's to think to think that was going to happen again is is madness. So it's always going to fall off. But I think it's the manner of which we we fell off. We've lost like three games in the spin and we've had taken one win against the bottom six. So our problems go a lot deeper than just injuries. Um, but yeah, it's a shame. I think next season when Van Dijk, you know, Matip. And Gomez are back. We will be probably more like the Liverpool of last season. I hope um, Klopp's still the right mind to go through with it. We'll just have to write the season off, and if we can win the Champions League, then great. You know that's probably the only thing we can go for. 
It's really odd because I think you the players you signed this season as well have actually been really good. Like a big fan of Jota, but obviously, of course, he got injured. And Thiago is one of those players. I think he'll need time and maybe figuring out how he fits into the system properly. But we know what a world class midfielder he is. So I think you've definitely built on performances, or not necessarily performances, but the squad has kicked on from the last couple seasons and it's probably where it needs to be at the moment maybe might be missing a world-class striker I don't know what you think about Firmino and his sort of goal scoring record but goals has been an issue of late what do you think what do you think that's down to yeah I mean like Firmino is obviously misfiring massively um and per- and he's not a clock player we've got to remember that he's a Brendan Rodgers signed him um from Hoffenheim and for me he's not a complete striker people always obviously Salah Mane get all the plaudits for the goals they've scored and Firmino bringing him to play, like he wouldn't probably work at any other club, but Liverpool just given the role he does. But I really do think that we do need a traditional out-and-out striker. Like I was a bit gutted that we didn't sign Timo Werner in the summer. It seemed like he wanted to come to Liverpool, and Klopp had that connection with him, but it obviously didn't happen. And obviously, when Firmino's misfiring, you've got to look to Divock Origi, who's not exactly like a, <laughs> a legendary Premier League striker, and obviously Minamino has gone to Southampton on loan. So, I mean, I think that's definitely a department where Klopp needs to strengthen in the summer. Obviously, all our injuries have been at the back this 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 year. But I think Firmino, would, I think he definitely needs either some competition or he needs to go out and, and find someone to replace him. I think it's pretty much the... It looks to be... Like it might be the end of the Liverpool cycle. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, you know, every team has a good three or four years. Like, the Invincibles had that. The Chelsea teams had that. The United sta- uh, United teams had that as well. And it might be just that. And Marnin, Salah, and Firmino, they're approaching the ages, average age of pre- 28, 29, 30. Um, I could be wrong. So, I think Firmino would be the first one to go. No, in the actual ages, but yeah. Um I don't think you need a Timo Werner kind of type, uh, type striker. I do think what F- Firmino does in terms of his hold-up play and in terms of how he brings in the other two wingers, I think that's invaluable and you need that kind of mould. But I think what Firmino lacks is goal-scoring op- ability. I-, I feel like if you substituted him with Harry Kane, you would win a lot more points. I know... Oh, 100%. I don't know if, uh, that's not yeah, even a question. Yeah, he there's no even... He can't finish. Yeah, yeah. Like you just need what Firmino does, but finishing and like you talk about Dominic Calvert Lewin. I wouldn't think. Yeah, Timo Werner is not the kind of guy that would be able to hold up play and bring others into uh, into play as well. Um, I did want to know your thoughts on Thiago and how a bit more in detail and why what the issues are maybe in midfield because the midfield last year would yeah yeah no. There's been a lot of talk about him. I guess imbalancing that midfield hasn't it? I think I've read lots of. Lots of stuff on Twitter and obviously football articles about Thiago sort of balancing that midfield and things sort of becoming out of press. But I think, I think he has any and he, he will need to find his role in there. He, he, we obviously know he's a very good player. Won the Champions League with Bayern Munich last season and has been there for a time. And I, and I, I rate him very very highly. I just think that he, it will take time to get used to the pace of Premier League in the sense that he's given away a few penalties and fouls on the on, on the edge of the box where you just don't need to. But it's not our midfield, our traditional midfield. Like you have to remember, this season because of the injuries, centre back Henderson would normally sit in there with Fabinho and probably Thiago. That would probably be the three I think that Klopp was looking for when he signed. He would ex- be expected to play um, Henderson, Henderson, Fabinho, and Thiago. But because of all the injuries, the centre back Henderson's 
well, he's now injured, but he's been moved to centre-back. Firmino's obviously, Fabinho, sorry, has played most of his time at centre-back. So now he's playing with Wijnaldum and Curtis Jones with Milner sort of dropping in and out. So I think, yes, it's been a difficult season for him, but I think next season when he's playing alongside the players that I think Klopp wanted him to play with, it'll be a lot, it'll be a lot better. I expect to see him playing like slightly further forward because Henderson and Fabinho will probably sit back. And I would like to see Thiago get into that sort of run into the opposition's half and bring the ball and carry it forward. He's, he's, his passing is incredible. Um, I really rate it. And I think that's what I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing next season. But I think this season, it just hasn't worked with all the injuries. And... What do you I think? Mean, I, don't know, I don't know. I don't mean, know. Have you seen it? But is that how, is that, that's how I've seen it as a fan. I don't know. From an outsider's view, how have you sort of found that? I mean, yeah, I have my thoughts. I mean, finish. I'll let you go because I think I have my thoughts, especially on Van Dijk. Um, unless you want to, you want me to speak. <laughs> no, I mean, like I said, like Dylan mentioned, I I expected Liverpool to drop off because there's no way you can keep that sort of intensity and the uh, the results when you've won pretty much everything you win at this point. Champions League, Premier League, what else is there really left to play for? And I guess that comes down to a mentality kind of thing. But obviously, the injuries have had a massive impact and. Personally, I'm not surprised where you are on the table considering the form of the other teams in the league. But I guess the question comes down to you're sitting sixth now, five points off fourth. Do you think, you know, maybe finishing second, third Champions League, do you think that's just realistic aspirations now? I still think it's realistic for them. I mean, Dylan, before, I think you should definitely end the Liverpool segment before I speak because it is your team. I do think... Did any of you watch, uh, re- read the article or watch the video from The Athletic on Van Dyke's impact on Liverpool? Okay, no, so really so he explained it really well, but I remember from watching their team, Dylan, I don't know if you remember, but I think the Everton game was after, straight after the Arsenal game, right? Where you beat us at home. Yeah, and after the international break. Th- yeah. that, that, that was for me the last time I saw Liverpool as its, at its peak, at like that unrelenting, relentless machine in terms of how they always press you with this energy right and especially when looking at that team firsthand it wasn't just van dyke's like great defending and leadership right it's his ability on the ball and how he would actually ping passes like with pace not just like slow like just slowly like normally like most other players would you'd ping it at pace like diagonally to like trent alexander arnold and and your wingers like salah and so on and it would just get these wingers both fullbacks and your wingers would just get in behind of our wingers and so on. And I thought that kind of ability that is just missing from your team more than anything else. And he, like you said, Henderson not being in your midfield and so on. But yeah, I don't know. I think that's technically what's what you're missing as well. What kind of centre-back would you probably want to get to in the transfer window that then... For it before uh, we kind of you know end. what I wouldn't probably buy we've got enough now I would just let them become fit um, and then play your Van Dijk and Gomez or Matip or whatever it is next season I think that's that's what Klopp wanted um, he only signed the, these other two but obviously because of the injuries and then move obviously Henderson and Fabinho back to midfield but I guess just the last word on on Liverpool like to answer Sinish's question can we finish in the top four essentially yeah there's no reason why we can't I mean you know, we're five points behind West Ham we're playing for the viewers out there, we're recording this on Sunday before the Liverpool play Sheffield United. I expect us, and we have to win that game, and I think we will. We'll take us within two points, depending obviously what happens with the Chelsea United game later. But we're 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 in the mix. I mean, and we, I think we've got to play 
five of the bottom six and even though that's where we struggled this season that's where that is points for us and that's where we need to take those points our fixture running is not terrible um so i expect us to be there or be there about so look we were top at christmas there's no reason why we can't get that back we're not going to finish top obviously but there's no reason why we can't finish in the top four i agree i think the fixture run is pretty kind for you guys and like you said, even though you struggle against these sort of sides, I think you'll pick up the points that you need to. And I, I fully expect you you will finish in the top four. Um, okay, fair. I guess, that, I guess uh, that moves on nicely to, I guess, Chelsea, another big yeah. big six club where I guess obviously we've had the... I guess before we move on to Chelsea in depth, I just want to get your, your both your thoughts actually on Lampard's sacking. I'll start with you, Kaj. Like, what did you think about... Was he, was he right to get sacked? And do you think he like, did, did deserve it? And Tuchel, is he the right man? I think Chelsea are Chelsea, right? If you don't do well as a manager, you will get sacked. And so this is no real surprise. If like if, if it was at any other club, I think he would have been given a bit more time. I do think they've upgraded with Tuchel. Um, is that how you say it? Tuchel? Tuchel? Uh-huh. <laughs> Tuchel, Tuchel, um, and I think it it sets the tone nicely for Chelsea doing really well in the Champions League, in my opinion. Do you remember that time when they sacked uh, Andre Villas-Boas and they brought in Di Matteo and then just won two, won the double and the Champions League? I think they could do something like that. I have uh, that's what I think, and yeah, I don't know your thoughts, Dinesh. Yeah, Chelsea's always a really interesting situation, aren't they? I mean, going into the start of the season, the players they signed, they really looked like a team that were going to challenge for the title, I think. I mean, on just on paper, the, the names we're talking about, Werner, Havertz, Ziyech, Thiago Silva, I mean, any, any sort of club would have loved to have had these players on their team. And I think the problem they've had is just integrating all the players into a system that I think suits all their abilities. And unfortunately for Lampard, he just hasn't been able to find that formula. And that's partly down to, I think, his man management. He, I don't think he man manages players very well. Um, and Tuchel's been brought in to change that. And I think so far, he started off really well. I think he's changed up the system. They originally played 4-3-3 under Lampard. He's completely changed that to a Conte-esque 3-5-2. And I think that suits them better with the current squad that they have. I think the wing-backs are traditionally very strong for Chelsea. They've got good depth in those areas. Alonso's been been brought into the team now. Chilwell looks set, settled for that place. But Alonso, I think, is so suited for that wing-back role. And James or Hudson-Odoi on the other side, they've got really good options there. So I think they're going in the right direction. And that Atletico Madrid result, I think, speaks volumes because that's a game I wouldn't have expected Chelsea to have won before. Yeah, I mean, we we keep on speaking to, about Chelsea and it constantly changes, right? Um, Dylan, I'm sorry I interrupted you. Um, but yeah, your thoughts? No, 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 it's fine. Like, I mean, I, I was just about to mention that, actually, that Atletico Madrid result, that was an absolutely incredible result. I think when the draw came out, they, everyone was saying Chelsea probably got the hardest draw possible. They're not going to beat the leaders of La Liga, let's be honest. Um, and then to, to win at, at Atletico and to essentially to to come back to the second leg which I guess is probably in their favour now the tie is in their favour to win and I don't think that would have happened under Lampard I mean like I agree with Kaj in the sense that if he was at another club he probably would have had more time but I do think the job came too early for him it's a season at Derby 
and where he didn't actually even get them to the Premier League enough to take a job like Chelsea. Let's be honest, it's not. And I think it was probably more of a sentiment thing um, that Abramovich signed and took a risk on it. And obviously, it's a risk that didn't work out, especially with all the signings. Um, and I've been very disappointed, I think, with Werner and obviously Havertz. I know injuries have played a part and everything, but it's just a shame it didn't work out for him. But I think Tuchel is probably the right man to, to turn it around. And I think in the, what, 10 or so games he's been here, they've conceded, what, two goals? Absolutely incredible. He's, he's transformed his team. Like Finnish said, formation has changed. Hudson had always been at right wing back. Alonso's displaced Chilwell. Um, Aspilicueta is starting like has started I think every single game now so he, he, he I think he knows what he's doing and he, he's definitely got the mentality and the players to definitely next season I expect them to go for the league I'll be very very surprised if they fall off um, but if they can win the FA Cup or the Champions League this season it's been a very successful season extremely extremely successful season given where they were I think definitely like, um, like we'll talk about the defence like Thiago Silva I don't think has got the plaudits that he deserves so like how old is he now like 35 36 and he's I think he's been he's completely changed the just sort of the whole mentality and just the organisation that they didn't really have previously but I think it's been and more the been structure really though for them this season do you not think it's what more do you mean, the structure like the structure of the team because like I think with under Tuchel, they've they thought he's been six. He's got six clean sheets with Chelsea since he's arrived. I mean, especially compared to Lampard. So surely it might it might be more the team structure compared to like um, Thiago Silva. No, I don't know. I could be wrong. Yeah, I think the formation change has definitely helped. Uh, he's brought back in like Jorginho as well, who I actually really like. I th- I think he he sits in there and makes things happen. He he sort of keeps things ticking along, which I think was part of the success that they had in the earlier seasons. And Lampard didn't really give him a look in in the side. Um, so yeah, but definitely a system change. And I think, the obviously, I know we discussed about the attackers haven't really delivered, but I, I think Werner's going in the right direction now. I mean, he's not an out-and-out striker, is he? Now we've seen him, he, he, he'd much prefer to play on the wing and cut inside and sort of pick up the ball in those sort of areas. So maybe now he's got Tammy Abraham to play up front and sort of create the space for him. I think he is definitely more of a threat and he's found a position that suits him. I guess it's just interesting to see how we can integrate Havertz now into this team because I just can't see a position for him that would play unless he drops Mount. I don't know what you guys think about Havertz this season. I mean, he's definitely been a disappointment. Obviously, like... I think obviously injuries played a part he had COVID as well but I think you always have to give a sort of a I think there's a lot of expectation on him given that way he was like 71 million pounds or something there's a lot of expectation on like what a young 22 23 year old player coming from Bayer Leverkusen to sort of perform and I think we have to give him and I guess him the benefit of the season like give him the benefit of the doubt and go again next season but I think he has to obviously show to two show in pre-season like he can fit into this team Chelsea got a lot of players like trying to vie for that starting 11 like even now I think Chilwell's back in the team to play United um, and Mount's been dropped for Ziyech so it's like he's he, I think he's still working out his best 11 Thomas Tuchel um, and I think that's where he'll rotate to the end of the season until he settles down next season and, and finds his true 11 I don't think he's actually found found any one position maybe aside the keeper who wants to play every single game He's I think he's just trying to work with what he's got and whether he makes any additions in the summer if Abramovich gives him money, we'll see. But I want to touch on Giroud quickly and get Kaj's thought on how he's played. Like, I mean, the guy just you have scores to. for fun. 
Great donkey, mate. Well. Donkey, Great. mate. <laughs> donkey. <laughs> no, that's that's too insulting. But yeah, um, I mean, my thoughts on uh, who is it? Uh, Havertz. I think before I move on to Giroud, I think with Havertz, we have our own seventy-two million pound Pepe in it. Like I know the kind of pressure he is. Like he actually had a really good game today in Leicester, and it kind of shows these players need time. And I don't think he's like with Havertz, especially. He's not been given the best kind of transition into a league. Like most of the new signings, like it's a COVID season. So he's not allowed to go out and about. He's been in lockdown. He can only go to training, can go back. So obviously he's in a new country as well. And he's not around probably his family. So I'm just saying, I think these things, these things matter. And I think, I think we have, we've got that kind of expectation that they have players need to play really well straight away. I know Dylan, you've, you've seen like Salah perform right off the bat right but he's also has experience in the Premier League before you know like he played against um, Liverpool when they uh, when that Gerard slipped in it just as an example but, you know, um, I think like the best players just will just adapt to the league like look at look at Bruno right he had never played in the Premier League before he's come up and just written up the rule book he's just the no, best players will always come through at, no through that class. I, 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 I won't deny that but some certain players just take a lot longer innit I mean I, I know from my previous well Bergkamp took a long time Henri took a long time. Um, are there any? I mean, there must have been some players in Liverpool that took a long time as well initially. But then, even you could say Henderson, right? He was. He, I mean, he was not rated for a long, long time by Liverpool fans, and now, what is it? You can't. You can't. You don't want him out of your team. Yeah, he's, um, he's undroppable. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's just what I think. So I'm not really going to t- tell you about my opinion there. When it comes to Giroud, look. <sighs> I don't miss him too much. I miss the kind of profile he provides, but he has been a terrific signing for Chelsea. That means you one miss in getting them tough. <laughs> no, he's been. It's annoying that he does this, but if I mean, you must have seen the the video where he misses like six chances against Monaco, right? Like in the Champions League when he was playing for. Like that's the kind. Of, he's a perfect backup striker. That's what I think. He's a perfect kind of striker to get off the bench, play your odd game here and there, like or your second striker after the main striker having someone like a Bamming or whoever and but he won't be the guy that will consistently give you 30 goals a season like your Harry Kane's your well Mo Salah in that position but like those are kind of players um but yeah terrific signing he hasn't but he's never really been given that opportunity has he no he's definitely been given that opportunity i know from watching arsenal he's been given that opportunity to score 30 goals he had sanchez ozil behind him kazola as well and ramsey i'm not having this he is like he's he's (laughs) look he's he is look look he's a good striker i think we're a bit too harsh with him and as arsenal fans but i don't think he's a 30 premier league goal kind of striker no 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 i agree with that yeah yeah, I agree. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so but he does get a lot of stick. I mean, look at his form for France. He's the second top scorer of all time. <laughs> he behind, he scored um, no goals in the World Cup, yeah. right? He scored. He didn't score any goals, right? But let's be fair. Like, if he he didn't score any goals, maybe he scored more if he wasn't surrounded by such great talent. But come on, man! Look, he had Mbappe around him. He had Antonio uh, Griezmann. He had then De- Zon Dembele, Dembele in the bench. He had like he had Matuidi, all these Pogba, all these players. Like, I'm not. Yeah, I don't know. I I mean, if you want your opinions on Giroud, that's really going to be, be it for me. I think he's a good player, but he's limited in what he can and can't do. That there's a there's a level between him and Lewandowski, and and Giroud, it, and it's really it's just the ability to run in behind and consistently score 
the thir- above 30 goals a season. I mean, there's a question now is, do we think you can... <laughs> go on, go on. Do we think Chelsea can finish top four? I mean, if, if, if they finish in top four, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I think they can now. I mean, I've, we've changed our opinions a lot on them. The thing is, West Ham, where Woodfall move on to, they, they're good, but I think they could easily slip up at the end. And we'll also talk about this. Leicester City, as good as they are, they already seem to be doing the usual kind of slip up bit near the end of the season, given the injuries and so on. So... I wouldn't put. I I think they're a strong candidate. That's why I think. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, mean, I agree. Look, they're going to be there. They're about two shows transform this team. Like if they beat United today, that's going to put them in a really, really strong position. And they only they'll only be three points behind United. So all to play for, I think. I completely agree. I think this these next sort of five six games are going to be really interesting for how things end up. Um, yeah, like you said, they're the form team at the moment. I think so. No really? Why. Is it not Man City? Yeah, not Man City. Well, obviously, and Man City. City. Yeah. Oh, okay, Man City. City. Yes, they yeah. are. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I thought when he says form team, I just think the best in the league, isn't it? Um, no. Um, fine. I guess that's Chelsea. We spoke about it just now. What about West Ham? West Ham. Hey, what can I say about West Ham? I mean, I'll come to go straight. Big out of David there. Moyes, isn't it? Big David yeah. Moyes. Big David Moyes, and I'm going to say. Probably a manager of the year contender, and probably as look, unless Guardiola probably does the quadruple, which let's be honest, they could do. But it's not out; it's not out of the reaches. I think they'll definitely get a domestic trouble, but we'll talk about them in a minute. If West Ham finishing, not doesn't they don't even have to finish in the top four if they qualify for the Europa League. I think David Moyes can be manager of the year. The job he has done at West Ham this season has been absolutely incredible. I think I, I'm actually really, really happy for him. Um, I'm. I, I, I've got a lot of sentiment towards him. I think he's been ever since I think he was since he was sacked by United. What back in twenty fourteen? I think I felt a bit of like sentiment towards him in the sense that I think he didn't get enough time there. And obviously, he, this is his second spell at West Ham. Obviously, he didn't quite make it through the first. Um, but I'm really happy with the way he, what he's done. He's brought in really good players like Suchek, Kufal. He's taken a big gamble on Lingard, and he's slotted right into the team in January. Um, and obviously, like even like. A player like Craig Dawson at the age of like thirty six from Watford, he's absolutely slotted in that the, that defence alongside Ogbonna and like Diop sometimes, and he looks like he's been playing for West Ham for years. And I think only a manager like David Moyes could probably have seen something like that. Um, and I've got to give him all the credit, all the credit in the world. I don't think they're going to do it. I mean, I'll be if West Ham finish the top four, that will be something else. But I think they've had an incredible, incredible season. I mean, who would have thought after 26 games they'd be taking fourth in the table at 45 points? Yeah, I, mean, I couldn't agree more. I mean, they've had an amazing season, haven't they? And thus playing with arguably one fit striker who hasn't really been fit this season in Antonio. And it's really good to see him back in the team as well because I think he is that missing piece of the puzzle. I think he's been when immense he's for fit. them, to be honest. Yeah, when he's fit, he can cause all sort of trouble. And just pointing on Lingard, this was a guy who was out in the cold at United and he's showing everyone again why he he was taken in 2018 with the England squad and what he's capable of and definitely within a shout for the Euros this season now in, on current form um, and yeah just just touching on David Moyes I think that United job just was maybe one step too far for him and that that's not really doubting his ability but I think he just he's so much better suited to these teams that are 
traditionally more mid-table sides and that he can build on and put his stamp on rather than the pressures that come with the trophies and winning titles etc I think yeah he, he's done a brilliant job and considering it's a second spell as well he would have obviously gone into the job thinking didn't really work out well the first time but they kept the faith in him and he's completely turned it around for West Ham and they'll definitely kick on I think from here hopefully they'll do you, keep pushing for Europe do going you, forward finish um do you think he's at the right club then so like you say I don't think like Dylan said, he he wasn't given enough time. I think he was given enough time. I just don't think he was just the right manager for them in terms of what he produced, in terms of football and so on. Do you think he would do the same job if he was like, say, at Newcastle, for example? Same kind of yeah, club? Yeah, no, I completely agree. Oh, I mean, I mean, the point goes back to when we were looking for a manager that I think if David Moyes was appointed, we would have we would have laughed at that appointment and thought, what's like, you know, he's not going to take us anywhere. But he's proven that he is still a very credible manager, and what he what he offers these to- these sort of sides, um, he can take them from maybe lingering in mid table to European football. And what he did with Everton just proves that he's done that again now with West Ham. I think he'll continue to do that going forward. Yeah, I would like to see him in the top four. Some like it would be just interest. I would, you know, like. You you have those kind of bra- managers that are on like the merry-go-round in the Premier League. You got your Sam Allardyce, you had your Padres, you had your um, is it Mark Hughes? Yeah, Mark Hughes and Steve Bruce. No offense, Dinesh is part of that. I think he oh, yeah. <laughs> he David Moyes is kind of like that, but I think he's in a level above these guys in my opinion. And he deserved he deserved a chance at a top club. I don't know. Um, and I'm glad to do see he's doing well. I mean, speaking of the players specifically, I think Antonio's been immense. I mean, we talk about our pre- like Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Ollie Watkins. He's another striker who's done really well. And I was looking at at the, the game, at least the first half against Man City. They looked like one of the best teams to have played them so far. I know they were better than us. There's a reason they're in the top four. Because um, like, Antonio was dominating them. For example, Lingard was just doing well. Suchek was doing really well. I know you, you've been talking about... F- is it... F- uh, Kufal, or f- mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know your thoughts on him. I mean, what a signing! Five yeah, million pounds, amazing. right? Like brilliant. He comes from the same and club as Suchek, hasn't he? Slavia yeah, Prague, exactly. Yeah? A sensible business, right? Same at Slavia Prague. Yeah. yeah, they both played together. They saw what he did, and they brought him in, and he's just slotted in perfectly. Um, and who was I going to mention? Oh yeah, Declan Rice. I mean, another player that's come on leaps and bounds as well. I think he's probably. Due a move, I think he, what he's the player he's developed into. I think he's he's really worked on his all round game. Um, some of the stuff, some of the things. I think if you only if you watch him, you'll see what he's added. That he's now actually sort of driving forward with the ball a lot more, and he's linking the play up more rather than just being a traditional defensive midfielder. Um, and he's still really young. He's still a raw talent. Was he only twenty one, twenty two? Still at this point. Yeah, yeah. So that, I wouldn't that... be surprised honestly if he went. If he went to a top four club, yeah, because next season that's the one thing I noticed. Like their midfield pairing, Suchek and Declan Rice was just really good against Man City, who've got the best midfield in the league by none. And I think other stats I've seen, they've got nine clean sheets. I mean, it's not as high as like Aston Villa and Man City, but it's still kind of high. So the defense has done well. They've also got eighteen different goal scorers. Only Man City are higher. So it's yeah, it's great to see that Man City, uh, uh, not Man City. Um, 
David Moyes has done in terms of improving their attacking prowess in front of goal compared to the previous seasons. Yeah, um, I think they needed to sign a striker, I think, in the summer. Um, obviously, Hall- Antonio's got no backup and they sold Haller in January for £25 million or whatever to Ajax. Um, so I, if he can stay fit, it will, it will obviously be a big plus for them. But I think they do need to sign a backup in January. In, in January, in I, the summer. I wouldn't. I would never say backup, man. Because like, if you want to improve your team, you don't buy sign backups. You sign players that improve your first eleven. But yeah, that's yeah, that's. They definitely need to sign someone. I guess that's the bottom line. I think if obviously if Antonio gets injured, then it's obviously difficult. They've got the players to play in the round. They're like Lingard, Bowen, etc. But I think they'll need. To I think the main goal sign. for them in the summer is keeping the core of this squad because they've highlighted now that these players can perform at the top level. So I think if they're able to keep hold of the likes of Suchek, Bowen, who I think has been really good as well this season, um, and just build around these players now. I think it'll be really good for them, and they'll continue to push. Yeah, right. in the next few seasons as well. All right, fair. So, uh, all right, final thoughts. Do you think they can get to the top four? I mean, should we leave that to the end of the squad, or yeah, it to come it on. Now? We, we can leave it. To the let, end, I guess. Let, let's yeah, let's okay, let's leave it to the end. Um, so yeah, sorry then, unless you wanted to say something else about what's No, no, no. I agree. I agree. All right, fine. Um, all right. So I go. We got our last three teams now. We got Leicester, United, Man City. How do you want to go about it? Do you want to talk about Man City end? Because I feel like they they're worth talking about regardless. I think they are. I think they're definitely in the top four. But do you want to talk about them in the end or yeah? Go on. Um, well, I guess I guess yeah. I mean, we can just quickly touch on yeah, Man no. City. I mean, they've they've completely dominated the season now, haven't they? Considering what may have been a poor start. By their yeah, the worst guy uh, by their means, ever, wasn't it? I think exactly. <laughs> but I mean, they've just shown their quality and just the relentless, relentless grinding out of results. They're not actually. I don't think they're actually scoring as many goals as they were last season because United are the top scorers this season. But the wins and defense, ultimately, it's the defense. Their defense season, is yeah. immense this it's season. Just something else, incredible, yes, man. Oh. And Stones. Oh. Yeah, what a signing he's been. 23 years old. That, that is a future company right there, isn't it? Who will take them forward. I think they're cheating, man. Because the, when I look at it, they, <laughs> with their ability to spend... They spent £40 million on like Nathan Ake, right? And he's on the bench. Like, think about if Liverpool... Like, Liverpool actually have no right to really contend for the title, to be honest. They had to do it through like net spend, selling some of their best players and then reinvesting, right? They don't have like a bench of, of worth four hundred million compared to like Man City. Oh no, City's bench know, but... would would finish in the Premier League in the top half. Their bench yeah, alone like... would finish in in the top half. No, top half, no. I think European football. This <laughs> is incredible. like financial doping in some ways, isn't it? Like, but it, no, but I can't deny it. They have been terrific. Do you think they can do the quadruple? Quick, yes or no, both of you? Is the quad is the quadruple? No, I'm actually going to say no. yes. Okay. I don't they can do it. They can do it. I don't yeah. think they will. Uh, that's Fair there's enough. a difference. I think the it's domestic a... trouble is on lock personally. The domestic trouble, I agree. I think, I think yeah, it will come down to whether Guardiola can get Aguero fired. You know what? I've... For the Champions League. No, because I think now with Tuchel in the, because we... okay, if you want to rank the best managers in the league, right? I would say like Klopp and Guardiola are up there, right? But Tuchel's up there as well, right? And that's why I think Chelsea will take a, a trophy off them in terms of the quadruple. I don't know. That's what I think. Do you not think? What is so it? FA Cup or Champions League? I mean, I can't see Chelsea win the Champions League, right? So that leaves the FA Cup we're talking about. Yeah. Um, uh, I think City have got the best squad. I think. I mean, they'll beat. I expect them to beat Everton. That's into the last four, and you could argue their real only contenders are 
the winner of the Leicester United tie and Chelsea. So you, you will see. But I think the domestic travel person is unlocked. The Champions League is obviously the asset test, and they want the one they want to win. And it's probably got the strongest competition with like teams like Bayern still in it. I think Guardiola and, and will outthink. I think Guardiola will be his own kind of demise. Like you know, the only thing is like you know when he overcomplicates things to the point where he loses, like he did it like last year against season with Lyon. And I think he should have beaten Tottenham as well um, the season before that. But the problem was like their defense. I think now that's maybe maybe they can maybe they can just down to the based on their defense alone. But yeah, your thoughts on that finish? Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I think I think the like Dylan said, I think the domestic trouble is hundred percent on unless. Unless some major injuries, or I don't know, I can't think of any circumstance where they wouldn't. But um, it's whether, like now Aguero's back, whether they can get him playing and scoring again. Because I think he'll be he'll be the key to winning them the Champions League. I Jesus Jesus isn't good enough, I think, at that level to do it for them. So they need they need a fit Aguero, I think, to take them to that next level to win it. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, go ahead. No, no, yeah, sorry, I was just going to say, yeah, that's City, league-wise, it's, it's over, isn't it? It's... Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, we'll, it'll be interesting to see how United fare against them next season. I mean, what we'll definitely do on a pod uh, how uh, the best players in the league, I think Cancelo definitely has to be a right candidate up for that. I, just, I wanted to give a special mention because the way he played full, like the fullback role, it's just amazing. It's like... You know how Trent uh, changed the fullback role, um, how he viewed the fullback position the last few seasons? I think Cancelo's done that as well. Um, that's the only last thoughts I really want to put on City. Well, yeah, it's ingenious, isn't it? Because Guardiola, out of possession, plays a 4-2-3-1, essentially, and he's come into midfield, and he's not really playing as a traditional fullback, isn't he? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, City, we know how good they are. So I guess let's move on to Leicester and United. Should we start with Leicester? I mean, I, I, I'm the perfect person, I guess, to, t- to talk about Leicester just because we beat them. Which, look, Leicester City it, it might have done really, really well. And they built a very, very good kind of machine in terms of how they they develop their team. They sell their biggest assets and they, they use that money and they reinvest with younger, talented players that have big upsell value. I think the only problem is now is... If you know, like a few weeks ago, we we think yeah, Leicester are dead set, set on top four, but we said that last year, right? And they they kind of bottled it. Yeah, I know they got the they had a lot of injuries, but this is what is happening to them again, and they just crashed out of the Europa League as well. I think they might be one of those teams that could potentially be fifth or sixth just because of the amount of injuries they're facing. I don't know your thoughts on them, I mean- uh, guys. They got what Harvey Barnes got injured today. Johnny Evans came yeah. off. Madison missed the game. I mean, the injuries definitely piling up for for Leicester. You you um, know very well how the impact of injuries, right? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's actually only second to us. They they've had more players miss games throughout the season, um, and injuries are costing them massively. I mean, I, even you mentioned like one of the young players coming through, like Fofana, he's injured. Or so I, I think it will be tough. I mean, I think you can't base it on one result, like obviously this Arsenal result, or sorry, even the last two. Um, I think I think I actually thought when they crashed out of Europe, this probably a, was a blessing in disguise in the sense they can just focus on the league now. They're still in the FA Cup as well. Um, 
would they finish sixth? I mean, what they've got forty nine points. They would they probably need what another twenty twenty five more to be certain, maybe thirty at push, depending on what other teams do around them. I think I, I can't. I don't think they'll probably fall as low as sixth, but I think that given their recent injuries, I'm less confident than I was like let's say two weeks ago that they would finish in the top four. If I'm being perfectly honest, but I don't see why they can't do it. That Europa League result, I think, has actually mentally not put them in a great spot at all because that's a that's a game that I would have banked on them to win, and I think they thought that as well. Definitely, they I think they had a really good chance at a good Europe a Europa League run this season. And I know, okay, yeah, now they can focus on the league, but I think they'll look at that result and think what could have been, basically. And like you said, the the injuries are playing a big part now. Like, Madison and Barnes are the real, like, key creators in the team. And if you can't get Vardy the service that he needs, he just won't score the goals. He doesn't offer and... anything else, like, at least with, like, the other strikers we mentioned. Exactly. Yeah. And, I mean, he'll make the runs, but you've got to get the ball to yeah, him. And it's not happening. The players it? that they've got as backups, I mean, Perez, he's not really in the team to do that. Chengiz under, we haven't really seen enough of Perez him. Perez is injured is as well, player. right? He's injured as well, no? Perez? Yeah. So, all Brighton, I mean, these sort of players, Ianacho, they're not are they really top four good quality? Enough, are they're they? not really, are they? If you, no, if you compare exactly. to the other teams around them. Well, yeah. I think Madison. Um, well, are you talking about the backup or like the first eleven? I guess the backup players. I mean, like players like. Uh, w- would you say players like Daniel Amati and stuff are going to be good enough to get? And that's who they're playing. Thomas. Yeah, Luke Thomas. Are they good enough to really to get? But do you think? But they're do you not, think Liverpool's exactly. backup are that good as well? Like, their their first eleven is good for Liverpool title contenders. Title winners, yeah, no, I mean, but like uh, then their backup isn't that good. So I think it's because we. I think it's all about having a good first eleven. Predicament: it, they're, they're going to struggle now. I think they're going to be in a slog. I think to hold their position, and like you said, I wouldn't be surprised if they fell away. I think the next few games are going to be really important. Whether they can bounce back and find the form that they were showing, because I think they were in a really good spot. They were winning games against the big teams, um, which. Maybe they wouldn't necessarily have won in previous seasons. So, yeah, definitely. This next period is going to be really vital for them. Yeah, I mean, what's your thoughts on Rodgers, I guess, in terms of the job he's doing? Uh, Dylan, start with you. I mean, you know, I mean, look, you know I've, well. I've obviously seen him uh, as a, obviously ex-Liverpool manager, seeing what he's done. Um, I mean, obviously, he, he had massive success at Celtic, um, but obviously a very completely different league there in the Scottish Premiership. But... I, you can't fault the job that he's done. I mean, like I think the club as ge- as a general on and off the pitch are run extremely, extremely well. I mean, they just moved into a state-of-the-art training facility in Leicester. They're, they're probably one of the best-run financial clubs, I think, financially-run clubs in in the league. Um, and bringing in Rodgers, it's probably seen as a coup for them, I think, at the time. Um, what, they sacked Claude Puel. I think a few games before and obviously they ran everyone in the league but I think Rodgers I think he's got the abilities to take him to the next step um, but I, I mean I it's, it's his end of players, season it's, a, it's his end of season kind of like yeah I mean like for like the Europa League like, right, he's approach. never got past the last 32 with any of his with Liverpool Leicester or Celtic he never made it past it's, I don't know if that's like a mental thing and like the top four like you said last season they were before the Covid season stopped everything they were shooing for the top four. They and they think they only won two of the last twelve games. Like they absolutely, as we would say, they bottled it. Um, they're in a slightly better position this season, but I mean the injuries are piling up. Um, 
and they've yeah. got some really difficult fixtures. Like they've still got to play like City at home, for example. But the, I, I, well, I think the fact. They, well, sorry, no, sorry. sorry I, I think just to no. I was just going to say the fact that we're saying them them bottling top four potent last season and potentially this season just shows how far they've come because both seasons now they they should fully expect to get Champions League and I don't see a reason why because they've been brilliant the football that they've played it's been so good and they've just come on leaps and bounds I think from everyone thought they'd sort of fall away after the league title season um but they've they've managed to maintain that sort of momentum and build the squad considering they sold Mares, Kante and Maguire who were the three influential players in that league title season but that's just, um, that's so, just yeah, smart really planning well like you club. mentioned right like yeah really well run club really good signings and they deserve to be where they are and um, i hope they do it because i think yeah, they deserve i agree they do de- they, they do deserve it i think considering the football that i would love played them to do it. and I, how they yeah it would be it. really good it would be really good to see but i do worry for them and it will be yeah it will be a tough period i think for them now should we move on to the last team now, Manchester yeah, United? Yeah, I mean, before you go, I'm going to give it to you guys for a bit just because I need to get my technical, I have a few technical issues in terms of making getting my laptop charger. But um, let me, give me two minutes, but you carry on with the pod while I come back. And um, yeah, Dinesh, your thought, thoughts on United for, for now? Yeah, I mean, where they are in the table at the moment, I think we wouldn't have expected them to potentially have been challenging for the, for the, for the league title at one point, uh, but are now and are comfortably in the top four, and I would say are shoo-ins for Champions League spot this season. I think Solskjaer deserves a lot of credit for that as well. I think he's brought in players that weren't necessarily performing last season, like Luke Shaw. Uh, the defence looks a lot more solid than it was, and they're, they're playing some really good football. They're top scorers in the league who you wouldn't have expected with the way City have been playing over the last few seasons. Do you think he's the so right manager to done... take him forward, Dinesh? Do you think Oli's the right manager to take him to that? To well, I guess to, to win the league again or win the Champions League? Or... Yeah, I think the jury's still out, isn't it? Because, I mean, on paper, he doesn't have the experience and what he did with Leicester... Sorry, not Leicester, Cardiff and... Molde. Molde. Yeah, yeah it doesn't, doesn't give you confidence that he can, but, I mean, he stepped up to the job really well. Is it is a top four the... season with no trophy a failure for them, do you, would you say? I mean, the expectation with United is to win trophies, isn't it? And I think going forward, where what they've done now and the players that they've got in the team, that will be the expectation. And I guess it's a case of whether he can do that, which personally, I don't think he can. But, I mean, like I said, the jury's out and he's proven people wrong so far. So maybe he can. What do you think is like stopping we'll him? I mean, like we, we obviously, I, I've got to agree with you in the sense that I don't, obviously, he lost three semi-finals last season. I mean, they're still in the FA Cup and the Europa League. Obviously, we said the league's gone to City. But what do you think stopping him from winning a trophy? Do you think it's the, the team he's got? It's not settled? Or do you think it's like tactics? Or do you think he just needs to, I guess it's partially a mentality thing. Like, for example, just getting over the semi-final thing and actually getting to a final when he could do it. What do you think? It's... I think they're still missing a world-class striker. I don't know what you think, but Martial is not <laughs> probably not cut out at the, at the highest level. He is a good player, don't get me wrong. I think he's a really good player on his day, but that's not his natural position. I mean, they brought Cavani in, but he's getting on now as well um, and probably suited to the role that he's playing as a backup. So I think they will they will go in big this summer, I think, for a Haaland. 
or a Lautaro Martinez, that sort of player who I think a proper out and out goal scorer. Yeah. I mean, I was sad they yeah. sold Lukaku. I mean, like, he's obviously tearing up in Syria at the moment. And I, if I was the manager, then I probably wouldn't have sold him given his age and everything. I think he's, he's exactly. what they need. Yeah, he would. But, definitely. But, so yeah, they are probably a world-class striker away from potentially winning the league. I think the rest of the squad is actually really good. Uh, defensively, they've shored up a lot. Um, probably need a partner for Maguire, I'd say. I think they've chopped and changed there a few times. What do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, mean can I come in? And, oh. yeah, you can't go for it, girl. No, you're back now. sorry. You yeah, no, so, you, <laughs> mate, I was listening. You two sounded better without me, mate. I can't. No, no, no. Go on, jump in. Where, where yeah. do you see? I, I was asking Dennis, like, firstly, do you think that I guess where, where do you stand on Oli, for example? And I guess like if they finish in the top four this season uh, without a trophy, do you think that's a successful season for United? Can I can I like analyze at Oli at the end? I yeah, think it, it might go be. For, I think it might be suitable. Like if I want to review like United so far, right? I think. Okay, I guess we have to talk about Oli, but <laughs> I think no. I think there's. It's weird how we look at them because we thought like the players weren't good enough at the start of the season when they weren't doing that well. They lost at home to Crystal Palace. They they beat Brighton, but they got very very lucky as usual. Brighton just don't miss, finish their chances, right? Like story of their season. And they lost 6-1 at uh, home to Spurs. So to go from there to to where they are now, I think it, Solskjaer does deserve terrific credit in terms of the, um, what he does. I think it's hard because I think he's done a really good job in terms of bringing their team from the Mourinho era in terms of how they were not playing good for football. The players didn't want to play for the club, such as Pogba and so on. So Luke Shaw wasn't managed at all well. And you can see him, like, he's just performed terrifically, right? Um, the only thing is, what do you guys think about them not being in the Champions League, at least? Do you think it's hard It's hard to measure against because he was in a group with PSG and Leipzig? I don't know. I mean, I don't think you can, com- com- can complain about the draw. I mean, the draw is a draw, you know, it is what it is. Um, no, but they're not getting out of the group, really. I mean, look, what, what, the position they were in, right? You, look, you know, they should they should have been get, they should have got out of the group. I mean, Istanbul, Istanbul Basaks are here. I think they're 18th in the <laughs> the Turkish <laughs> league. I think they're left flirting with relegation. There's no way you should be losing to a team that's like currently 18th. Obviously, they weren't there then when they played them. But the fact that they that essentially tells you what has what has happened. They needed what one win and they they bottled it. And I think. It was actually very, very disappointing. They from the position position they were in, they should have got out of that group. And then the fact, I guess, I look back to that PSG game at home when Fred was on a yellow card, and everyone could see when I was watching the game he was going to get sent off. And yeah. the only person that couldn't see was Oli. And then what happened? He got sent off. And then PSG went on to win the game. It's it's really weird to analyze him because many times people I think insult him too much by saying he's a PE teacher, right? When he's not. He's yeah, definitely he's beaten Guardiola. Yeah, uh, but and you've not rated him at times. Like, let's be fair. Yeah, but then I, still I, don't rate I but but I think he's done a terrific. Like, he's done a good job. Okay, maybe not terrific, but a good job. I don't know your thoughts, Dinesh. Like, I think he has. Like, I think. Oh, um, sorry. Um, yeah, with the other teams before the start of the season, like most people would have thought Chelsea would definitely be in the top four. Um, I mean, I know they didn't sign Sancho, who they they were chasing all season, but I think considering the squad that they had, and maybe they are missing a few players here and there, I think he's done a brilliant job, and they're comfortably second, I'd say at the moment, which I think a lot of you wouldn't, a lot of people wouldn't have expected at the start of the season. Yeah, I mean, 
I'm conscious because it is, I think we're approaching the end of the show and I do think our listeners probably want to end. And my final thoughts, at least on Toshkar, is that I think he's done a good job in terms of transitioning the team from, like, you know, these players like Sanchez, from Alexis Sanchez being there, players that are just mercenaries, to having young players like Greenwood play for them, Rashford, Marshall scoring 30 goals last. He hasn't performed this season, fair enough. Cavani's come in, who knows. And Bruno's been terrific. Like, it's easy to think, like, do you think Bruno would have got these results if Mourinho was still the manager? I don't think so. Maybe you lot want to debate that. I don't know. The only thing is, is he that kind of manager that could win them the elite trophies? Possibly not. But I think he deserves a crack of the whip. That's all I think. Like, another seat. Like, the one thing you, we talked about um, the Sancho uh, transfer uh, in the summer, right? I'm still surprised at how they didn't buy a centre-back or central midfield, centre midfield, uh, midfielder because Fred and Matic, uh, for me, just doesn't work. And I don't think Maguire and Lindenoff work as a partnership at all. Eric Bailly is their best defender, but he's always injured. injured. Your thoughts on that before we kind of like, end the podcast, I guess, for now? Yeah, I'll quickly go. I think like, I think you summed it up well. He's, he's been good, not great. Uh, and I, I don't think he's the manager to take it to the next level. Um, but I, I'll give him another season. I think he's got very important decisions to make. Like Tennis had another striker next season. I think next season has to be the changing of the guard from Henderson to De Gea. Uh, De Gea to Henderson, sorry. I think oh, De Gea yeah. is sort of becoming past up his peak and he's made a couple of mistakes. So that has to move. He's brought these young players like Ahmed Diallo in and Palest- Facundo Palestri. So in- integrating those a bit better. I think the team is is there it's missing like one or two final players to sort of kick it over the edge and uh, I think Oli needs some time with those players depending on who he signs but I just feel like he's, he's not the right manager to take him to go and challenge for the league again or win the Champions League for example but he seems like an incredible yeah. incredible guy really nice person like like Cap said he deserves a he deserves a chance until he fails basically because he hasn't really done anything other than what they would have expected to have done at this point in the season so I mean like I said they're, build, they're building really well for the future I think McTominay's really stepped up as a player Greenwood's still very young very raw I fully forget um, about McTominay and how good he's been this season for them to be honest exactly yeah. yeah and that's the thing a lot of this gets overlooked and Wambasaka, I don't really rate him at all but I mean he's been okay so they are they've got a lot of young players who I think who who will step up in the next few seasons and like I said it's whether they can plug those gaps yeah um, to take them forward I do think like yeah because Guardiola spent 40 million on Ake like I think Solskjaer buys a, a Ruben Diaz kind of player and a good central midfielder he could he could gain um, a lot of points on them uh, I think that probably what ends our team analysis I guess for the pods before we end the show what do you what are your final predictions of the top four Okay, I'll go first. I'm going to stick my neck on the line. Obviously, I think we all agree that City are going to finish yeah. the top four. And yeah, l- yeah. Let's do uh, okay. Uh, top think, uh, top three. Top three after th- second after to City, fourth. Yeah. So I mean, I think I guess this for me. This is no, no particular order, but I'm going to stick my neck on the line and say United will finish there. We'll finish in definitely finish in the top four. I think I'm going to back Leicester and I'm actually going to back Liverpool. Um, I think that Chelsea will probably be the biggest threats coming into it and. I think, it, for me, it's actually a toss-up now between Liverpool and Chelsea. I think West Ham might slight faltering away um, and finish, like, sixth or something. So, I will, I will go with 
City, United, Leicester, and Liverpool. Um, okay, I'll go next because I think we're probably going to end it with Thinnish here. Um, best till last, in it, Thinnish. Get that. Yeah, the, 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 like, Don't say Newcastle, uh, yeah, please. <laughs> definitely not. New- I mean, definitely not Newcastle. But um, all right, Man City first. I think United would be like they'll be in the top four. I'm gonna go for Chelsea, and I'm gonna be West Ham. I'm just gonna be make it a bit interesting because I think West Ham they performed really well against Man City, and I don't see any reason for them not to carry on playing well. Liverpool, yeah, but I don't. It's it's a big ask to just change their mentality suddenly. They've got the players for it, but then yeah. So yeah, I I think Chelsea with Nato Shell. I mean, I have been. Yeah, on his case and saying how great of a manager he is, I do think he's changed the the game for them. So yeah, I'm going to go for United, uh, West Ham, and Chelsea, and I think Leicester will uh, will get out of it due to the injuries. Yeah, so finish. Wow, so both of you have gone slightly different on your picks. Um, it changes each week, to be I'll, honest. Yeah, yeah, the results like, are so everyone's dropping points. Like, I would have said Leicester a few weeks ago, but no, I just don't know. Like, I think they're getting to the end of the season. Kind of like... So, I mean, I guess looking at it where we are at the moment, um, I I definitely agree. I think City United 100% should finish in the top four, and I fully expect that they will. I'm going to say Liverpool will make a comeback. Yeah. And out of the remaining teams, I think they will come back and do it. For me, I would love West Ham to finish top four, but they've got some tough fixtures coming up. Yeah. And I just don't think they've got enough to go all the way. And Leicester, they've got Chelsea to play, they've got United to play, and they've got City to play. They've got good fixtures around it, but I actually think they're going to fall away, and I will back Chelsea to finish in the top four. So my top four will be City, United, Liverpool, and Chelsea. Before we end it, actually, I would think, because we're recording it just before the United and Chelsea game, what's your predictions of that game, actually, and if they win? Results. I'm going to go for a very I'm boring nil Yeah, 1-1. One, one. <laughs> I'm going to go 1-1. One, one. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll go for a 1-0 uh, United and Chelsea. But fine. Uh, finish. I think that makes the end of the pod. I'm going to give the give it to you in terms of ending it to what for our listeners. Yeah, well, rounding off the first episode, uh, great to record it. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you've made it this far, as always, make sure you're following us on Spotify and our socials at Twitter and Instagram at BTG underscore pod. And stay tuned. Hopefully we'll have the next episode up for you uh, next week. And we'll cover a variety of topics. And really enjoyed recording that first episode with you guys. Same here, man. Um, I look forward to listening to talking to the BTG community soon. Yeah, cheers, guys. Thanks. Cool. Cheers, everyone. Cheers. Bye.